Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for the latest edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. Week five brought plenty of high scoring affairs and loads more excitement to the Sunbelt Conference. Two teams, James Madison and Marshall, kept their perfect seasons alive. James Madison moves to 5-0 for the second straight season with a win over South Alabama. Marshall held on in Huntington over an upset-minded Old Dominion to remain undefeated. Troy ended Georgia State's hopes of a perfect season. Georgia Southern soared past Coastal Carolina in front of a record crowd. Texas State dominated Southern Miss, while App State avoided an upset bid of their own against ULM. Arkansas State won their third in a row, and Louisiana suffered a road loss to Minnesota. Today on episode 123 of the show, it's time for our Week 5 recap. We'll break down the biggest moments from the weekend and take a look at some of the top storylines after the first weekend of conference play. Caden, you've been waiting for Sunbelt Conference play to begin for quite some time. It did on Saturday with a bang. Was it worth the wait? It was definitely worth the wait. If I knew we were going to get such a great offensive performance from the conference to start the season, just a bunch of fireworks left and right in every single game we watched, I would have waited twice as long, I think, for the season. But no, I think we just saw some great quarterback play step up, especially in this week. We looked more like the Pac-12 conference than I think last year this conference kind of resembled the Big Ten, which, Ten with some of the running and defense. So I think it's cool to see that now we're at a point where these teams in the Sun Belt just can win in different ways, can find different ways to put up points. And very curious to see going forward now how some of these matchups play out, how this title race plays out. But just in a great inaugural week, I think, of conference play as we saw a lot of teams finally face each other for the first time within the conference. I got to admit, it felt like the old Fun Belt days, Caden, in the uh, Sun Belt with the amount of high scoring affairs that we saw. Well, like we do every Monday, we'll start this episode with the Sunbelt scoreboard where we'll review all the results from around the conference in week five. So, Caden, sit back. I'm going to take an in-depth look at each of these top games from the weekend. Then, Caden, I'll come back and break them all down. Starting with Louisiana at Minnesota. This game played in Minneapolis. Minnesota, an 11-point favorite. They go on to win this one on the dot, 35-24, an 11-point win for the Gophers. Uh Louisiana had a lead at the half. They threatened to make it five straight power five wins for the Sun Belt to open the season, but gave up 21 points in the second half. Zeon Chris, another big day, 246 yards and two touchdowns, did throw two interceptions. The defense, though, gave up 201 yards on the ground. And in the end, Minnesota just too much for Louisiana. The Raging Cajuns falling to three and two on the season. James Madison, South Alabama, this one a huge one. The Dukes came in a three-point favorite at home on family weekend in Harrisonburg. They go on to win by eight. Caden, this was the third largest crowd in Bridge Four Stadium history. Zach Horton and Elijah Surratt had big first quarter touchdowns. McLeod looked as comfortable as we've seen him look this season. They were up 24-7 at the half, and that defense, Caden, was outstanding. Just 111 yards given up in the first half. U.S. South Alabama climbed back in on the back of Colin Lacey, but in the end, they couldn't overcome their inability to run the football in this one. James Madison, a perfect 5-0 and for the second straight season. South Alabama, 2-3 and on the season. A lot of soul-searching taking place in Mobile. Arkansas State, UMass in Amherst, Massachusetts. UMass, Caden Laughable, they came in as a one-point favorite. This one ends up being a 24-point defeat. Third straight win for Arkansas State after starting the year 0-2. Jalen Rayner has officially arrived. He throws six more touchdowns, responsible for 12 in the last three weeks. Nine different wide receivers caught the ball for Arkansas State. 
They led 31-10 at the half and just never looked back, winning 52-28. to They're 3-2 now on the season. Marshall Old Dominion in Huntington, West Virginia. Marshall, a 14-point favorite. Caden, this was a back-and-forth battle. I told you on Friday this had the feelings of a trap game. Old Dominion led 21-17 at the half. Marshall scored their first points in the first quarter all year, albeit just three. Uh, the Herd scored 28 unanswered from the 9-11 mark in the second quarter to the 7-50 mark in the third quarter. Kadarius Callaway did his best. He had a huge day, 236 yards on the ground for Old Dominion, the second most in their history. ODU used only a one minute and 41 seconds, eight plays on their five scoring drives in this game. In the end, though, Cam Fancher, Rasheen Ali, too much for the Monarchs. They win, or Marshall wins 41-35 to improve to 4-0. Old Dominion now 2-3 on the season. Georgia Southern, Coastal Carolina in Statesboro. Georgia Southern, six and a half point favorite. They win this one by 10. They were playing in front of the largest crowd in Paulson history. Forced Grayson McCall to throw four interceptions. He'd never thrown more than three in a season. What's wrong with Grayson McCall right now, Caden? This defense forced four turnovers. Davis Brin had a huge game. We saw touchdown grabs from three wide receivers. Jalen White had a rushing touchdown. For Coastal, the offense didn't look bad. Brown, Pickney each had touchdown or 100-yard games through the air. Bennett had 100 yards on the ground. But in the end, not enough as Georgia Southern hung on. They're 4-1. Coastal Carolina dropping to 2-3. and three. Georgia State, Troy in Atlanta. Georgia State, one-and-a-half-point favorite. They go on to lose this one by 21. Georgia State led at the half, but Troy dominated in the second half, 22 unanswered points. The defense gave Georgia State plenty of trouble, holding them to under 300 yards. Darren Granger, his worst game of the season, throws two interceptions. Gunnar Watson, Kamani Vidal provided two touchdowns, and Troy ended up walking away with the victory. Georgia State, 4-1. and one. Troy, 3-2, and two, now through five weeks. Southern Miss, Texas State, Caden in Hattiesburg, Texas State, beating the brakes off of the Golden Eagles in this one. They led 42-10 to 10 at the half, 100-yard kickoff return by Ismail Mahdi to open the game. He had four first-half touchdowns. Southern Miss, though, scores 26 unanswered after the half. FG Day continued his revitalization, 116 yards, two touchdowns on the ground, but too deep of a hole to dig. TJ Finley and company win this game 50-36. to They're off to their best start since 2005. Gaten, ULM, App State. This one, I'm sure, was fun for you late in the evening. Uh, App, a 13.5 point favorite. Uh, they go on to win this one 41-40 on a walk-off field goal. 81 total points in this game. ULM led 14-0 early. Jaya Wright played an outstanding game. Tyrone Howell had three touchdown grabs. This app defense gave up 471 yards, but it was the offense that scored or had 536 yards. Aguilar throws three touchdowns. Horn and Robinson both go over 100 yards. They had three touchdowns. And Michael Hughes, the hero from 54 yards, the longest field goal for App State since 2000. Caden, a couple quick notes here. Just two undefeated teams remaining in the Sun Belt. James Madison at 5-0 for the second straight year. Marshall at 4-0. They extend their win streak to nine games. Sunbelt home teams finished 3-3 three three on Saturday. JMU Marshall and Georgia Southern picked up home wins. It was a high-scoring Saturday. Nine Sunbelt teams scored 30 or more points. Arkansas State and Texas State each crossed the half-century mark on Saturday. And Caden, unfortunately, first weekend of the year without a Power 5 win for the Sunbelt. Well, let's move on, Caden, and talk about uh, some of these games. We'll start with James Madison versus South Alabama. The Dukes winning 31-23 over the Jags. 
Caden, JMU moves to 5-0 and for the second consecutive season. They do it in front of the third largest crowd in Bridgeport Stadium history. They led 24-7 at the half and never really looked back. Zach Horton finishes with a career day, three catches, 116 yards, and two touchdowns. And I thought it was interesting, after the fact, Kurt Signetti said, our entire organization right now, we're fatigued after these first five games of the year. And Caden, to be honest, this was a brutal five-game stretch for JMU. Top two teams from the West in the opening weeks of the season. You've got road games at UVA and Utah State to open the year. But the Dukes come through unscathed again, Caden. You don't want to overreact, but through five weeks, Cato, is JMU the team to beat in the East? They're the team to beat in the East and they're the team to beat in the entire conference. I know it's early in the season, but I'm crowning them right now. James Madison's the best team in the conference. They should be ranked, and it's a shame they cannot play in a conference championship, probably for a second straight season if we're looking at just how this year is going to look. You mentioned how tough their schedule was at the beginning of the year and the fact that they were still able to come through it unscathed when there's other programs and other fan bases I know who have kind of made excuses about maybe who they've had to play early in the season and stuff like that. James Madison put their head down and has put in work this year. And I think when you look at their defense to start this game off, when they had two three and outs and a fourth down stop and then their offense on two of their first three drives had two touchdowns, I just had no confidence that South Alabama was going to win this game no matter how close it got. We've talked about teams' different formulas to win throughout the season and James Madison's formula is bulletproof and it all starts with their defense. And I think if you're just looking at playing ball in this conference, you should have the most confidence in their formula working. Their defense is a boa constrictor. Their defensive line is going to squeeze the life out of your offense. They're going to make you one dimensional and they're not going to allow you to operate the way you want to. You look at the rest of JMU's schedule. I just do not see another offensive line being able to stand toe to toe with this group. Carter Bradley was under duress all day. They could not run the ball, which no one can do. And they continue to keep doing this against every single person they play. It's a bonus when you have Mikel Kamara having a sack and a half and a TFL and a half. He's biting down passes the line of scrimmage. Jalen Green's taking him for pick sixes, even though he already had two and a half sacks and three and a half TFLs in this game. This defense is playing out of their mind. They defended 10 passes in this day to go along with their beautiful day on the line of scrimmage. And I think you also have to just tip your hat off to this offense. I have to give a big shout out to Mike Shanahan, who's been looking like Kyle Shanahan lately, the way he's been playing, call, calling plays for this offense. You look at McLeod, he looks comfortable, he looks accurate, he's very effective with his legs now, and you have to give credit to that run game for always being there for him. You talked about Zach Horton earlier emerging as another weapon for this offense, looking like a tight end, fullback hybrid that could be productive as well. If Coach Shanahan is looking like Kyle Shanahan, it's looking like that's going to be his Kyle Hughes check this year, but it's looking like just the formula they have as far as good offensive play combined with the defense that's going to do what they're going to do I just do not see anyone stopping this team point blank period and I think all of the facts and all of the stuff from whether you're looking at the stats or watching them play is going to back this up but then just the little things just watching their defense play with energy and effort watching the body language of their team watching Tyson Lott and stiff arm two dudes and a gain a loss of two yards on a play I mean this team just has all the other little things as well as far as championship DNA when you watch it and I think when you look at the South Alabama team who we're about to talk about, they kind of are missing some of that stuff too. So I think JMU has just put themselves now head and shoulders away from the rest of this conference, and it's pretty hard to deny going forward. Yeah, it has been an impressive start to the season. There were question marks of what they would look like coming into the season. Those questions have been answered. Caden, but my biggest takeaway from this game is I don't think South Alabama is what many people, including us, thought they were going to be this year. You bring back 18-plus starters on this team, but you're now 2-3. and three. This offense did not look good in this game, particularly in the first half. When they don't run the football, Caden, this is a South Alabama team that really struggles. The defense continues to have real problems. 
Caden, what's the path forward right now for the South Alabama team? They have to put their head down and work and really focus on themselves. I think they're not, like you mentioned, they're not the team we thought they were heading into this season. Talk about all the good stuff I saw from James Madison, whether that's effort, body language, just all the little things that it takes to be a championship team. We're seeing the opposite from South Alabama. Their offensive line did not play well in this game, which James Madison's defensive front does tend to make your offensive line look like that. But they were dropping passes. They had missed opportunities on both sides of the ball. Really bad third and down and fourth down efficiency as a defense. Bad body language. And I think on a play-to-play, a series-to-series, even like a quarter-to-quarter basis this season, this team is just very much underachieved just given the roster talent they had and how high we were coming into the season. You have to kudos you have to give a shout out to them for looking a little bit better in the second half, but they got dominated throughout this game and it never really looked like it was they had a chance of winning it despite how close they could have possibly made it at the end. Their offense is too reliant on Carter Bradley right now and Lacey as well, and their defense has just been surprisingly inconsistent relative to past season. They've had poor tackling, they had bad eyes in the secondary, and they gave up some big plays. So I think this team... You could look at it and say they could still handle business on the Western side of their division and get to where they want to get. But just looking at what they're doing this season, they look like the kind of team that's going to probably take care of business and beat the teams they're supposed to beat. When it comes to the games they're not supposed to win, they'll probably lose those. They could get possibly caught slipping, especially if we see some of these inconsistent quarters where both the offense and the defense aren't working for them. But as they head into their division schedule, the question is, can they take a step up? Because we saw a little brief moment of what they can possibly be against the Oklahoma State team. We've also seen some very low lows for this team. Are they going to be able to beat UL on the road like they did last year? Are they going to have some of those moments that were championship moments that we saw last year in small portions? And this season, from seeing those small portions, we thought they'd be able to live up and maybe get better. But it looks like they've almost taken a step back as far as that clutch gene and that championship gene. So they still have the talent everywhere. It's about can they get the things together, get things right, right before this conference schedule where it gets really, really important for them. Real quick, Caden, does JMU need to change up their strategy of how they play call in the second half with big leads? There's only one other team in the conference, I think, that has a similar problem to James Madison as far as taking your foot off the gas. And if that's the only problem you have, it's a great problem to have. So I don't think they need to worry too, too much about it. It's clearly the only point of emphasis they'll have this year. But man, everything else is clicking for them so well that if it takes them taking a little bit of a foot off the gas to get the other team into it and maybe add some more excitement to the second half of their football games, good for them. But man, they are cooking right now. Well, JMU heading into their bye week. They're going to get some much-deserved rest. They'll return to action on October 14th against a 4-1 and Georgia Southern squad that Caden ended their undefeated season a year ago. South Alabama heads on the road to face a 2-2 two and two ULM side that gave App State all sorts of trouble in Week 5. Caden, I'm sure you'll have some more thoughts on that one later on. Georgia Southern, Coastal Carolina, Caden. This one was a big one in the early title race in the Sunbelt East. Georgia Southern walks away with a 38-28 to win over the Shawnee Clears. And Georgia Southern moves to 4-1 and one on the season. They get this win in front of the largest crowd in Paulson Stadium history. Big shout-out to Jared Banco and that athletic department for getting it done. Grayson McCall threw four interceptions, Caden. Wow, he'd never thrown more than three in a season. Only 10 career interceptions in this one. This defense for Georgia Southern was probably the best that we've seen it since Clay Helton arrived. Caden, I want to start real quickly by talking about Coastal Carolina. Coastal's now two games back in the East with six Sunbelt games remaining. The Tim Beck era has not gotten off to the best start. It feels like CCU's back is really up against the wall. It's going to be hard to climb back. Caden, I said it in the preview. I'm really concerned about this offense. 
Did you see any bright spots that make you believe that a turnaround could happen this year? Yeah, there's definitely some bright spots and they can definitely get a turnaround. It's just bad and I'll probably get into it later. Just the scheduling of the conference is very important. I think it was a big talking point for us heading into the season. And it's clear that Coastal Carolina is suffering from having a tough early schedule and finding themselves in a hole early. The facts about Coastal Carolina are pretty simple right now. Back-to-back losses against teams in their division make it a very, very tough place to be right now in a competitive East. And they'll likely have to rely on some other teams to get back into that championship stage. They do not control their own destiny at this point. Their defense has actually improved up until this point compared from last season when they were not defending the pass very well well at all. They were doing terrible in that department. And they're number four right now in the league in points allowed. So I think their defense has taken a step up. The issue has been their offense, which just sounds crazy right now when you're talking about a Coastal Carolina team having as much talent as they have. The offensive line is looking like the weakness in this scheme for the second straight week. They were bad on third down. They could not score quite as much as they needed to relative to the opposing offense they were facing. They've gone from a team that's perennially perennially been one of the top rushing units in the league to a team that's now only behind Georgia Southern as far as rushing yards per game. They went from having a quarterback that was the model of efficiency to one that just threw so many touchdowns in a game, more touchdowns in one game than we saw him throw all of last season. So I think they have not been adapting well to this new offensive identity. And this is who they're going to be this year. They're going to have to score a lot more because currently in the rest of their conference schedule, there's five of the top scoring offenses in this league. They've already faced one of them and they face three more coming up in this schedule. So if they're going to be a team now that's getting away from the run game, who's going to have maybe a more improved defense and have a quarterback that's maybe going to throw some more interceptions, they're just going to have to outscore teams. And I think that's a different formula to them. It's interesting watching them go through this. And I think right now, if you are in Conway, you cannot help but think, what would the record of this team be if Jamie Chabwell was at the helm just because he had that model of consistency, comfort, and that track record on the offensive side of the ball? Now things are looking a little bit different. The record's looking a little bit different as well. They can turn some things around, but they're going to need some help, and it's a very interesting spot to be in as a team that was just in the conference championship game. An identity crisis in Conway, South Carolina for the Chanticleers. They're going to try to work things out. Caden, let's switch sides because this Georgia Southern team They don't have an identity crisis. This was the most complete game we have seen from them offensively. Bryn looked great. That wide receiver room is as deep as advertised. Jalen White looked really good in this game as well. The defense forces four turnovers. We've talked about them being more opportunistic this year. Caden, they were my preseason dark horse. Is it time to elevate them to legitimate contenders? It definitely is. No, I think outside of James Madison, I think this Georgia Southern team is the scariest team in the East. How many teams can you see beating this team in a shootout? And how many teams do you think have the defense to slow this offense down? That number continues to shrink from both of those questions in my book as we keep seeing them evolve throughout this season. And then the icing on the cake is we always anticipated it and now we're seeing it. This is going to be a hard place for anyone to play. If you go into Paulson Stadium, you have to play in Statesboro this year. It's going to be tough for you. And we saw that kind of get to Coastal Carolina in this one. Yet again, just a flawless performance offensively. They move the chains with ease. They throw and catch in a way that not a lot of teams in the entire country can do. And you have to give credit to that offense for really taking a bounce back from that Wisconsin game where they had a bunch of turnovers and putting together yet another game where they had no turnovers. That makes this team even scarier. Caleb Hood had a great day. They just moved the ball so effortlessly. And I think watching it as an opposing defense is just horrifying, especially if you're in the East, and especially if you have to play this team on the road. And I think what you have to give a shout out to in this game, though, is their defense. You have to give them their flowers for just helping this team win this game. Four turnovers is huge. Getting interceptions and getting the ball back to your offense is a huge key. It was a huge key for this team in the offseason. It's going to be a huge key for them this entire season. And I think 
when you look at Georgia Southern's defense, they have a different standard as far as being successful compared to other teams. They're not going to be leading the team in points. They're not going to be leading any defenses in yards per game. Their job is to get off the field on third and fourth down, get the ball back to their defense, to their offense, and also create turnovers to just get their ball back to their offense. They did a great job of that in this game. They held this team to just a touchdown every single quarter. And when you have an offense that you have and you can get the ball back to them confidently and often, they're going to run up points and they're going to keep you in the game and they're going to pull away. So I think when you look at this team and their formula, do they run the ball the worst in the conference? Absolutely. But they know they're going to do that. They're going to try to take the ball away from you and they're going to put up points. So I think they have their identity established in the East. They know what they're going to do. They have a great home field advantage. And I think outside of James Madison, you have to look at this team as probably the top contender right now as far as consistent play on both sides of the ball, knowing who they are and being a scary force to reckon with in the East. Kane, I think it's fair to say Georgia Southern's moving up in our power rankings, right? Them and another high-powered offense, I think, are going to take a big leap this 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 off this this week at least. Talking about the rankings for sure. Well, I'm certainly sure the Georgia Southern fans that wrote us all week about that pick are going to be excited to hear that. Caden, Georgia Southern, they're heading into their bye week with a big matchup against undefeated James Madison, looming on October 14th. Coastal Carolina arrives at their bye week, and they're going to begin preparations for next Tuesday's primetime showdown in Boone, North Carolina, versus a 3-2 and two App State team. Caden, storylines galore ahead of that game. We'll move on to the third matchup that we will talk about, Marshall Old Dominion. Caden, Marshall wins this one 41-35. They remain undefeated by beating ODU for the sixth consecutive time. Caden, I said it on Friday's preview. This game smelt like a trap game for me, and it certainly was for Marshall. They trailed 21-17 at the half, but they wrote a huge third quarter to this win over ODU. I felt like Cam Fancher had probably his best day of the year. Rasheen Ali has another two-touchdown game. He has it every game this year. Kadarius Callaway, not to be outdone, put it up. He put up video game numbers. The Monarchs ran for 339 yards on the ground. Caden, on Friday, we talked about Marshall needing a fast start. They didn't get it. They trailed 21-3 with 9-11 left in the second quarter. They did, however, score their first points in the first quarter all year in this game. The defense, though, was sloppy. Outside of those three interceptions, they give up their most yards since week four of the 2022 season against Troy. 339 yards was the most rushing yards given up in the Charles Huff era. Cam Fancher, though, did have a nice day, Caden. 83% completion, 380 yards of offense, 102 of those on the ground, responsible for two touchdowns. Caden, you say it all the time, a win's a win, but this one was ugly. Yeah, it was an ugly one. I think we both anticipated that Old Dominion would be able to stay in this game just because of their defense and their ability to stop the run. But we didn't think it would be in a shootout in this fashion for sure. This was just an unexpected shootout and a bizarre game overall. This Marshall defense definitely looked uncharacteristic in a lot of ways. They let Kadarius Callaway absolutely have his way in the run game and allowed just a multitude of explosive plays on the ground we've never seen. They gave up as many touchdowns in this game as they have the entire season, and four of them were on running plays that were over 60 yards. It was just a bizarre game, but I think if you take these big plays out of the out of the game, it's obviously a way different game. We still saw Marshall able to cause some turnovers and do some good things, but I think as a defense, if you just have one area to address, I think that makes things a little bit easier. It's very clear that they just had trouble trouble stopping those big time explosive run plays they can clean that up and I think get back to what they were able to do previously in this season and be a dominant defense but I think the silver lining is that allowed the offense to feel some pressure for the first time this year and kind of have a new challenge and I think they executed well we saw a season high of passing yards from Cam Fancher his first two touchdown game 
throwing the ball this year, his first 100-yard rushing game. So obviously, he still needs to clean up those turnovers. He had an interception and two fumbles, which is just simply unacceptable. And I think if this team is going to play in tight games in the future, he has to clean that up. But this offense had 21 answered, unanswered points at one point, which was followed by a big pick six to make this a 27-0 run for this team. So I still think this team as a whole at the peak of their powers is one of the best in the league. We saw that for a small amount of time in this game, and I think we've seen it throughout the season in small bunches. So I'm still confident in them being able to take care of business and be that East contender, but it was definitely just a bizarre and wonky thing as far as what they were able to do on defense, some of those turnovers that I think they'll be able to clean up moving forward. Caden, there's only one bigger mystery to me than if UFOs are real, and that's ODU's offense. They had 201 yards on the ground versus Virginia Tech to open the year, 227 yards combined in the next three weeks. They put up 339 yards on Saturday. Both big rushing games, Caden, have come when the pass game is non-existent. Have you ever seen an offense vacillate like this, Cato? I have not. And if you are a better out there, just stay away from this team moving forward. You're not going to know what to expect from them. I don't know what to expect from them. Noah doesn't know what to expect from them. And we've been talking about them for over a year now. So just stay away from this team if you have any interest in making money in the sports betting world. I fully broke down in the preview how this offense has gone back and forth from being great to terrible, from pass heavy to run heavy. And then what do they do following a terrible performance against a team that's newly division one? They have one of the best offensive performances we've ever seen against one of the, who it was the best scoring defense in the conference heading into this game. I asked them to find an identity. I guess they did. Callaway was awesome in this game. And I think schematically, they have found somewhat something where they have those wide splits, those wide alignments, those allowed for some weaker boxes. And I think we saw them really capitalize on that and take advantage of that in the run game. The passing attack wasn't there. Shields was turning over the ball a ton. But I think this offense is just going to continue to keep sneaking up on us, continue to keep surprising on us. Now I'm just looking forward to playing offensive roulette with this team and seeing who shows up week in and week out. But very excited, I think, heading into next week as they play a Southern Miss team that has, has, I feel, a lot of similar traits. But I think they have found some sort of identity. I think they know what they can do in the run and pass game. It's just a matter of when they're doing it, when they're going to do it, why they're going to do it, and who they're going to do it against. They have a lot going on on the offensive side of the ball now, and I'm just kind of investing in it. I'm kind of looking forward to just seeing what's going to come out every time this team lines up on offense, I think. Okay, and I don't know about you. I'm jumping ODU to 13 in our power rankings on Tuesday. I'm just letting you know when Southern Miss is dropping to 14, and that's going to be one hell of a matchup uh, next week. Caden Marshall travels uh, to Raleigh to face NC State, who's 3-2. and two. They lost 13-10 to 10 in Week 5 to an undefeated Louisville side. That's, that's interesting. Old Dominion heads to Hattiesburg to face Southern Miss, who's 1-4, and four, coming off of a 14-point loss to Texas State. ODU in search of their third win. Caden, we will move on. Texas State, Southern Miss. Texas State beats the brakes off Southern Miss, although the final scoreline a lot closer than many thought as this game progressed. Texas State wins 50-36 to 36 in this one. Ishmael Mahdi takes the opening kickoff back for a touchdown. Texas State has a lead 15 seconds in. Mahdi with four touchdowns in the first half. He ends the day with 317 all-purpose yards. This is a Texas State team. They led 42-10 to 10 at the half. Southern Miss, though, nice response in the second half. 26 unanswered points out of the break. FGJ continues his revitalization, 116 yards, two touchdowns. Texas State off to their best start since 2005. They've already matched last year's win total. Caden, my biggest takeaway from this matchup, it's time to really start talking about Texas State. This offense has been as good as promised. The defense continues to play well. Is Texas State suddenly the title favorite in the West right now? 
it's hard to deny their track record right now. And I know Troy has a great track record just being the defending champions, but it, it's definitely time to just start taking this team seriously. This is the best offense in the conference right now, and it's not even close. And I think it garners respect from the entire league. Ask any defender in the Sun Belt right now who's the last team they want to play, and I guarantee it's this one. The start for this offense has been insane. They're top 10 nationally in scoring. They're number one in the conference, and they've also found a way. We saw Georgia Southern's hot start with a new offense last year. The difference between that is one they found a way to do it with balance. I mean, this is a team that's now top three in rushing and passing in the league. And two, they have a great defense and they have great special teams. So I think this team has definitely earned the respect. They've proven they can do it against power five opponents. They proved they can do it against group of five opponents. They've proved they can do it against Sunbelt opponents, FCS. They've done it against everyone. And I think at this point of the season, you can't really ask much more from them. They have a arguably, and I think it's not even debatably, the most talented and gifted quarterback in the conference right now who's been able to make all the throws. He's been doing that. The running back's one of the most dynamic players in the entire conference. We're seeing that through special teams and when they hand him the ball. And they have a stable full of wide receivers that can all get the job done. And I think all of those parties I just mentioned played a part in this team really starting off this game with a 28-3 lead in the first quarter and a 42-10 lead at halftime. So the special teams are great. The defense is great, especially given how much they play on the field, just being the opposition of this offense. And I think when you look at them moving forward, I'm just so excited to watch them continue to play in games that are more and more important. I think it's clear that they have a problem taking their foot off the gas when they're ahead, but the only team with that problem as well in the league right now is James Madison. And I think that's a great company to have. And I think if that's your only flaw as an entire team, it's only up from here. I think there's a lot of teams that have a lot of other stuff to figure out, but if the worst thing you have to figure out is how to keep your foot on teams next from getting up a ton early in games, Great problem to have and a lot of excitement right now in San Marcos for sure. Well, Caden, let's talk about a team that has a lot to figure out, and that's Southern Miss. They have started this season one and four. They crawled back into this game late for the second week in a row. Uh, this nasty bunch was no match for Texas State. The offense, though, did have some bright spots for Southern Miss. I will say that. Have you seen anything that is going to make you believe, Caden, that USM has another gear this year? If I'm being honest, no, and I think the gear is the bigger problem. I think that they just lack that killer instinct. All season long so far, this team has only played well in low-stakes scenarios on offense and on defense for the second straight week. They've gotten absolutely gashed. I mean, like the James Madison game, I never felt watching this game, even when it got close, that they were going to be able to come back and win, just given the body language, the character, and just what you saw from both teams when they took the field to start the game and when they walked off the field at the end of the game. A quarterback away has been the mantra all offseason, and I hate to tell Southern Miss fans this, but their quarterback is just not an elevator. Billy Wiles doesn't play aggressive enough. He doesn't scare any teams with his ability to push the ball down the field, and he's prone to turn the ball over. And I think he's moved the chains best this season when this team is either getting blown out and trying to come back from that or when they're playing Alcorn State. So to me, this team just has to prove as an offense that they can play their best ball when it matters. It's great seeing the defense eventually bow up. It's great to see the run game get going and have Frank Gore have those two straight impressive showings. But can they do that all to start the game off? Can they do that when it matters most? Can they do that in a big conference game? They have not proven it. And I think if they can't prove that, it's going to be a very long season for the Golden Eagles. I think this next game for them is a must win in my book to avoid five straight losses and three straight losses against the three teams that finished last in the conference last year. So to me, I think this team has to take a long look in the mirror and just find out the best way possible to find that whatever energy they find off as a team that's been behind in games, they have to find that to start off games or else, like I said before, it's going to be a very long team for this, a very long season for this team in a conference where everyone seems to be getting better and this team could possibly be taking a step back. Hey, suffice to say, a long way from a bowl victory a season ago, this Southern Miss program really trying to figure things out right now. 
Texas State plays at Cajun Field where they'll face Louisiana, who's off to a 3-2 and two start to the year, coming off that 11-point loss to Minnesota. Texas State will look to continue their best start in program history. Meanwhile, Southern Miss, again, we mentioned it in the matchup before. They're going to welcome Old Dominion to town, who's 2-3, and three, who gave a undefeated Marshall team a scare, losing 41-35 to 35 last week. Caden, matchup number five, Troy versus Georgia State. Troy, 28, Georgia State, 7. GSU led 7-6 to six at the half, but Troy scores 22 unanswered in the second half, and Georgia State's hopes at a perfect season dashed. Troy dominated GSU's offense. They held them to just 298 yards of total offense in this game, plus they came up with three big takeaways. The Trojans have now won back-to-back games. Caden, we hyped up this offense all season long for Georgia State. Darren Granger, Marcus Carroll, Robert Lewis. This was the first real test. It's what I said on Friday. Each weapon had their worst game of the year, particularly Granger. He is responsible. This team responsible for less than 300 yards of offense. Caden, I'm giving them a D plus in my mind for this performance. I wouldn't let the score fool anyone too much on this. I think this was a dogfight throughout the game. You mentioned at halftime the Panthers were up 7-6, to six, and I was really impressed, I think, with the fight I saw throughout the game from both teams. I think the line of scrimmage was huge. I think both teams had some back-and-forth battles there. But I think ultimately, like I mentioned when I picked Troy to win this game, they were the more seasoned team. They were the more championship team. And in the biggest moments when it mattered on either side of the ball, I think that's kind of what separated them and kind of let them run away with this game a little bit late. You said it before. You said it in the pregame show how many defenses has Georgia State played this year? This was their first big test, clearly, and unfortunately, they failed. They moved the ball very well, but Troy was just able to keep this team out of the end zone. They have a knack for doing it last year, and they seem to have a knack for it this year, and they stopped the run beautifully in this one, holding Georgia State to just 105 yards on the ground when they have Marcus Carroll back there, and the threat of Darren Granger able to run the ball is awesome, and under 300 yards of offense is always going to do you well as a defense playing anyone on any level in any country, no matter where you're playing. So I think the biggest difference in this one was truly the turnovers. The two interceptions by Granger and the fumble by him were super costly. The first interception was in the red zone, which was huge. Big shout out to O'Shea Fletcher for making a big play. That was them on the eight-yard line going in. And then the fumble was on the one-yard line. So twice that could have been seven points for this Georgia State team. And instead, it was the ball given back to a Troy offense that's looking better than it's ever been. So I think that's really what the game came down to. And I think those are just lessons Georgia State's going to have to learn as a team that's now looking at themselves in the mirror a little bit differently, knowing they're capable of a team that's going to be able to play in big moments, kind of compete for the conference championship. They proved that against a Coastal Carolina team last year, and they just lost to the defending champs. Thankfully for them, they're on the other side of the conference, and I think they still have a lot of growth and areas to improve on this year, which is exciting for a team that got off to a hot start. So I think it might not have been a great performance, but you have to account for the team they played, the pedigree that defense has, and still what Georgia State has shown us this year as far as what they can do against teams that aren't the level of Troy, especially from an offensive against a defense perspective. Caden for Troy, alarm bells went off early in the season. They got off to a one and two start, although that JMU loss is looking better and better. Uh, K-State's a good team. Back-to-back wins over Western Kentucky and now undefeated Georgia State. The defense huge in both of those games. The offense is clearly better than last year. Caden, this game proved that Troy's still Troy and they should be considered a legitimate threat in the West once again. Yeah, and we talk about when we look at all the schedules of these teams, some teams have played teams on their side of the division, some teams have not. There's just a lot of variance. But I think as far as all the teams considered, 
Troy hasn't played anyone in the West yet, but given what they did last year and what they look like this year, you have to have confidence in them being able to get back to that championship stage. I've been waiting to say this into a microphone since Saturday, but Gunnar Watson is the most accurate passer in the conference right now. This guy was able to distribute the ball constantly in this one. He was able to move these chains for this offense, and it's truly exciting to watch the masterclass performance he's had this season, whether the running game's there for him or not. He completed 76% of his passes in this one. Jabri Barber was fed well in this one. He had a career game with seven catches and 121 yards. And the rushing attack was solid with Vidal and Taylor stepping up in this one. This team overall does not care who contributes. They don't care about Gunnar Watson's stat line. He didn't do anything that's going to amaze you. But if you watch him play, you can tell that he has con- complete command of the passing game. He's able to move the chains. And I think when you pair that with a defense that looks like they're continuing to get that turnover when it matters, that sack when it matters, that third or fourth down stop, in those clutch moments similar to last season, you pair that with that championship level of defense. And I think the offensive attack looking as efficient as it does now, and you can't help but feel good about this team as they now face only West opponents in the conference moving forward. So huge kudos to Troy for being the championship level team they have been all season, really proving it in this one and maybe even looking like they're taking big steps forward on the offensive side of the ball to complement that defense even better than last season. Well, Troy, they will welcome the suddenly red-hot Arkansas State Red Wolves, uh, who are 3-2, and two, winners of three straight to Veterans Memorial Stadium next week. Georgia State, fortunate for them, they arrive at their bye week as preparations for their matchup against currently undefeated 4-0 Marshall on October 14th begin. Caden, we're moving on. This is the matchup you've been wanting to talk about for this entire episode. App State ULM. App State wins this one 41 to 40. 81 total points in this matchup. We easily hit the over in this game. That was 50 and a half. Real back and forth battle. Largest lead was 14 for ULM with 6-10 left in the first quarter. They stayed within seven the rest of the way. Jaya Wright and Joey Aguilar had big days. Howell had three touchdowns. Woolard had a big game for ULM. App State's wide receiver core made some huge catches. And Caden, this game ended in a miraculous way. A 54-yarder from Michael Hughes, the longest field goal in App State history since 2000. Caden, let's give ULM their flowers. They played a good football game. The defense couldn't slow down App. The offense hung right with them. Wright was outstanding. We saw vintage Tyrone Howell. But Caden, we need to talk about App State. I understand you have some thoughts. I'm just going to sit back and listen. This team and this game just was not good for the the health of my heart, I think. Just the the pressure, back and forth battle, all all the way coming down to the wire. I just feel bad for the the health of all App State fans that were watching this one. But no, first and foremost, shout out to ULM. They entered this team as the worst passing offense in the Sun Belt and the worst scoring offense in the Sun Belt. And they absolutely lit it up. They scored the most points they've scored since 2021. And they look like an absolute air raid. Of course, congrats. Michael Hughes, he unleashed his inner Justin Tucker in this one, came through in an absolutely clutch way, hitting a bomb over 50 yards to win this game. I hope he's feeling on top of the world. I love to see the dog pile. I hope those boys had a fun trip back. This game ended at 1130 Eastern time, so I know it was a long trip back. Hopefully they were all joking, laughing, having a good time. They know Michael Hughes saved this game and probably saved them from a lot of backlash from this fan base. They probably still got some of that backlash on social media, and they're going to get a little bit from me here. I want to shout out the offense. They answered the call. After not being able to reach the end zone at all last week, at least they found it early and often in this one. They have to clean up the turnovers, though. They had two interceptions by Aguilar, which is becoming an increasingly important problem, especially if your defense is going to show up. Kata Robinson had a fumble in that game. They just have to clean that up, especially if their defense is going to keep playing this way. Now, the defense, they have to feel embarrassed. There's no other word for it. This was the worst offense in the league entering this game, and they showed up and they had more tolls than Swiss cheese. Jaya Wright has a dual threat, gave this... Entire defense, absolute problems. He cooked in this one. 
He got it done with his arms. He got it done with his legs. And this defense is going to face more opponents that are dual threats and that are better than Jaya Wright. They're going to face better offenses that are better offenses. So they're going to have to step that part up. You have to give a shout out to Tyreek Funderburk. Two straight pick sixes. He was this best team's offense for a little bit here, a little bit. So shout out to him. But the rest of the secondary, I mean, Tyron Howell had three scores. Darren Riley had a, spo- a score. And it felt like all of those were 50-50 jump balls in the end zone, just trying the manhood and trying the, the ability of your defensive backs. This is normally a strength of this team. And in this game, it was an absolute weakness. There was fear on the back end. The receivers for ULM were playing athletic. They were playing more dominant. They were playing with a more chip on their shoulder. And as a result, this game was what it was. But I think most importantly than anything, I think we see it with South Alabama. We're seeing it right now for this App State team. It's all about consistency. There's times where this team has looked like a conference championship defender. This team had North Carolina on the ropes in the road, playing a great brand of football on offense and on defense. And then there's points in this game where they're like the absolute worst team in the conference and some team that couldn't be a contender at all. Specifically, specifically, they're going to have to get better on the road. They're going to have to improve in that department. Michael Hughes just saved them from having – they finally got their first road win since Texas A&M. But I think App State this year, they're going to face tougher competition. They're going to have to go on the road this year. And I think it's all conference play here from them. They got all of this out of the way now. Now they're going to start facing their Eastern opponents, and these games are going to matter more than ever. So I think the biggest question for them is, are they the championship caliber team that's taken care of business on the road in the past, that's played complete and complementary football with the offense and the defense clicking? Or are they going to be the team that's super inconsistent that you can't rely on to win road games and that you're going to have to see fighting to get into a bowl game like they did last season. So I think from this point forward is where we're going to truly learn about this App State team. But I think we just saw a lot of what we saw last season. There were shades of the Texas State loss last year in this game. There were shades of the offense looking great against a North Carolina team week one last year. It's just been a mixed bag from this team all year. The fan base doesn't know what to expect on a weekly basis. And I think this team just has to internally look at themselves and say, are we going to reach our potential the more we play? Or are we going to look like a team that has not reached its potential, can't scratch the surface, and is going to get in shootouts with teams that are not regarded as good ones in this conference? So very excited, I think, to see how this team responds going forward. But that was not an exciting watch for sure until the very end for a guy like Caden Smith and probably a lot of other App State fans out there. Well, Caden, my biggest takeaway from that is uh, Tyreek Funderburk has been on the other podcast that you do, the Mountaineer Insider. If I'm an App State defender, I'm beating down your doors to come on to your podcast because at the end of the day, whatever is working for Funderburk, the rest of the defense needs. Caden, App State gets the week off as they prepare for their Tuesday night matchup against 2-3 and three Coastal Carolina on October 14th. ULM sitting at 2-2. Two and two. They're going to host a reeling South Alabama side who's coming off a 31-23 loss in Harrisonburg. They'll, that game will be in Monroe in Week 6. Caden, a couple of quick matchups to wrap up this episode. Arkansas State 52, UMass 28. A-State led 31-10 to 10 at the half. They scored 14 or more points in three quarters of this game. Arkansas State, they've now scored 50 or more points in 17 straight seasons. They are trailing only Oklahoma, who's done it in 18 straight years. Jalen Rayner tied the A-State program record with six passing touchdowns in the win. And now they've had three consecutive wins. Kane, all we've got to talk about here, Jalen Rayner. He might be the savior for Butch Jones that he's been searching for. 418 yards of offense, six passing touchdowns. The only other FBS freshman to do that since 2013, Kaden. Herbert, Williams, and Mahomes. I think you'll know those names. He found nine different wide receivers. He has 12 touchdowns in his last three games. Almost 900 yards of offense and only two starts. Caden, I'm starting to think this kid is the real deal. 
He's the real deal, and you have to just be enthused, exciting, and invigorated if you're in Jonesboro right now and you're rooting for this team. Is UMass the best team in the world? Absolutely not. They'll go to 1-5 and five in this game, but is Jalen Rayner the best quarterback in the world that y'all have had in a while? It's looking quite like it. I mean, the fact that he was able to put on this performance and really show off his arm talent. You saw his legs and how effective they were against Southern Miss, but him going 20-25 for 25 in this game, just a model of efficiency with six touchdowns. When you see a quarterback play a team that's lesser, a defense that's lesser, you want to see them dominate. And him being able to do this as a freshman is a great sign for them. He was feeding all of his weapons. You're seeing the guys in the receiving room that you haven't seen thrive. Jeff Borman, two touchdowns, great performance from Courtney Jackson getting involved as well. He's getting all these receivers looking like the best they've had, the best games they've had in a while. And I think, yes, they're going to play Troy next week, a defense that we know is going to bring it and that is the real deal. But the fact that this quarterback has been able to break records for this program right now, have some great company as far as his names and what he's able, able to do as a freshman and have this team in a 3-0 and stretch right now, you have to love it. You have to be excited about it. And huge shout out to Jalen Rayner for just lighting up this offense, providing a great performance, and I think giving this fan base and this program as a whole a lot to look forward to as opposed to how it looked in the beginning of the season for this team. Okay, Arkansas State, they're going to hit the road to face the Troy Trojans, who are 3-2. and two. They ended Georgia State's perfect season in Week 5. Arkansas State going to look to make it four wins in a row next Saturday. Last matchup to speak about, Caden, Louisiana versus Minnesota. Louisiana was an 11-point underdog in this game. They lose on the dot by 11. They led 17-14 to 14 at the half after Zeon Chris found Robert Williams with a minute 47 to go in the first half. But Minnesota scores 21 unanswered points and forced a pair of turnovers to seal this win. Caden, biggest takeaway, Zeon Chris once again proves himself. 14-25, to 25, not great, but 172 yards, two touchdowns, did throw two interceptions, also ran for 74 yards on the ground. Not his best game, but a lot better opponent. Caden, right now it feels like between Zeon and Rayner for Arkansas State, we might be entering a golden era for young West Division quarterbacks. Most definitely. And these were two guys that were not on our radar as all at all for sure when we were making our power rankings as far as best quarterbacks in the conference heading into the year. So you have to shout out them for being young, talented players, really seizing the moment and taking the most and making the most of their opportunities. I think for Zeon, did he play the best game in the world? No. But I think the fact that he was still able to build on what he's done the last two weeks and the fact that as a younger player, he was able to step into a moment this big and not let the moment get too big for him. He stepped in, was the first one to score points for this team in this entire game. The moment never got too big for him. He was highly efficient. You don't want to see the turnovers, but I think the fact that he was able to step up in a moment like this, we've heard that he's shown shades of Levi Lewis in the past, and it looks like he has a lot of that within him. And the fact that he was able to perform on this stage, this team was still able to do a lot of what it wants to do. They still ran the ball very well, 177 yards. He obviously played a part in that. Their defense kind of let things go. I thought the run game of Minnesota was what was ultimately going to result in a loss for this team, and that was what happened. But I think the fact that you have a young quarterback that has the dual threat ability that Zeon Chris has, a guy who can lead your team in rushing and in passing this early in his career, especially against a Power 5 opponent, is huge for morale going forward. And I'm really excited to watch this team led by him, and specifically this offense led by him, get into their conference schedule. Kane, it'll be a great quarterback matchup this next week when Louisiana plays host to Texas State, who's 4-1, and one, coming off a 50-36 to 36 win over Southern Miss in Week 5. That game will be nationally televised next Saturday. Going to be a must-watch. Well, Caden, a great first weekend of conference play, as always. Give me a closing thought on the weekend. 
I said it last week, contenders and pretenders. I think there's a lot of teams right now that are making some separation as far as really establishing themselves as some of the top teams in the conference. And there's some other teams who we might have had high hopes for that are definitely going to have to figure stuff out, some stuff out. I think it's very interesting seeing how all these schedules aren't exactly created equally. We've seen some teams now that we might think highly of, like a Coastal Carolina that are 0-2 to start off the year. And then you have some undefeated teams as well in the conference that you might not have expected to be undefeated. So I think going forward, it's going to be very interesting to watch how every team kind of navigates their own journey. A lot of teams have their backs against the wall. Some teams are front runners without expecting it. It's going to be very interesting to see which teams are going to be able to ride their momentum or maybe create some of their own momentum as every win is going to matter more and more and the stakes rise more and more as these conference games start to develop, unfold, and we start to figure out who's really going to be crowned the championship later this year. Well, that will do it for our week five recap on the Freire and Smith podcast. The first week of Sunbelt Conference play behind us. And now it's time to get ready for an exciting week six. Before you go, here's a quick reminder. We're going to be back on Wednesday. We're going to be releasing our next student athlete interview featuring App State hero kicker Michael Hughes. It's going to be the first ever specialist to appear on the Freire and Smith podcast. You won't want to miss it. One final thing, if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you do one thing. Share this podcast with at least one of your friends. Help us help you by continuing to grow this show into the premier destination for Sunbelt football fans. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Freire. We really appreciate you spending more time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.